Hello, you. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose this weekend. Jamie Demetrio tells us all about his brand new Netflix show, A Whole Lifetime with Jamie Demetrio. Liz Nugent's got a new thriller to sink her teeth into called Strange Sally Diamond. Dylan Llewellyn fills us in on new Death in Paradise follow-on, Beyond Paradise. And Joseph Martha has got a twist on a roast that you're going to love. But before all of that, Maria and I have some... But before all of that, Maria and I have some dilemmas to deliberate in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to kick us off. We've done feng shui, haven't we? We've done some feng shui and now my nostrils are about two <laughs> inches from yours. Now we look like um, uh, <laughs> Griffin, Griff, Griffiths Jones and Mel Smith oh, yeah. when they used to do the head to head. People won't know who they are. No, not, not, not our young colleagues. No, I was just saying to Graham how uh, Gwen Stefani's record, don't, don't speak, don't speak. Um, 1995, a young colleague, Harry, wasn't born. Nope, there you go. That made me sink into (laughs) despair and depression. Hey, Graham, I did a lot of cycling this week in London town. Really? Were you being sponsored by a charity? (laughs) No. Um, I was doing, you know, some chores in London town and cycling around. And it's so... I forget, actually, because I live by the coast. Although that's pretty too. Um, it's so beautiful. London is such a beautiful city. But everybody looks so miserable at the moment. Do they? Have you not noticed that? Or do you, you don't really notice people, do you? Well, I do. You're concerned about them noticing you. And no, no, but I'm, but I'm normally, I would say I'm probably more miserable than most people I see. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So, for me, everyone looks quite cheery. Yeah. Well, I did a sort of thing of trying to smile at people as I was cycling. Oh, I say cycling, you know, you spend a lot of time saying me with my dog in the basket in oh, front lovely. of me. Oh, yes. And, um, well, and that didn't make people smile? No, that did make people smile. Yeah. Uh, but rather more in the seal way, you know, crazy. Uh, <laughs> a crazy lady with small dog in bite. Yeah, just but, rolling, rolling their eyes and smiling. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes we forget, don't we, to look up. And then I was thinking to myself, I want to tell these people, it'll soon be spring, look. The daffodils are coming up. Cheer I know. up. There are actually there are daffodils in our garden. There are daffodils out. Yay! Yeah. And snowdrops and things like that, and soon be tulips. Um, I watched your show, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm very much in love with Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Pedro Pascal, Last of Us. If people haven't seen The Last of Us, watch The Last of Us. It is. I mean, listen. Talking about <laughs> everyone looks miserable. It's not a laugh riot. <laughs> oh. Well, see, I I sort of rejected that when it popped up on my screen, but now I've seen Pedro Pascal. I will watch it. So. Your show has done him a lot of favours. He was actually promoting The Mandalorian, but never mind. Oh, well, you know, two things that he's in, as long as you watch one of them. Yeah, exactly. The Mandalorian, I will never watch. A no. man in a mask. Uh, nor me. It might not even be him. I know. A baby Yoda. But actually, it's worth it for Baby, baby Yoda. Yoda. Baby Yoda is adorable, but you're not allowed to call it Baby Yoda. Oh, for goodness sake. Why? Well, I don't even know who Yoda is, but Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, well done. Okay. Well done. Yeah, yeah. And um, why can't you call it Baby Yoda? <laughs> because apparently Yoda is the name of the thing in the other one, and this one is actually a Grogu. So it's a type of it's a type oh, sorry, of Yoda. Are you speaking? Yeah, you asked. It's a ty- I know. It's a type of Yoda. You asked the question. It's a type of yoga. Y- I'm going to my baby yoga class. Is that what it is? Yes, it is. Tell me about your week, please. Have you done much more on your... I love your motorbike um, I do. I was antics. On, I was on it again yesterday. I was on my limo bike. Yeah, would it not be... I was thinking this the other day. I don't know why you popped into my mind. Could Graham not get a motorbike and then you wouldn't have to talk to people on no, the no, bike? No, 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 oh, no. Oh, because then you'd have to concentrate. Then I'd have to drive it. Oh, OK. No, that's a terrible oh, idea. Right, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, no. The, the, it works because... I am on the back. It's like it's almost like religion. I have such faith in that driver. I just I just assume that they're really good and know what they're doing. Yeah, there must be some syndrome for that. Falling in love with your limo driver because they have your life <laughs> in their hands. Limo bike driver. Limo. What did I say? Limo. Yeah. yeah limo yeah, bike yeah. driver. I'd like to know if there's a syndrome for falling in love with your limo bike driver. I think there probably is because, honestly, they have... a good subject for a book. Invite him in. No, never speak to him. Never (laughs) see him. Never see what he looks like. He's a bit like the Mandalorian. Oh, oh, yes. And so you never see your limo... But you talk to them all the time, but you never see them. Come on, Graham. You're the novelist here. The Bikalorian. The Bikalorian. The Bikalorian. Oh, yes. Yes. Falling in love Lorian with my (laughs) Bikalorian. Lord of Mercy. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're on a roll. We're on fire we are, here. We, we really are on fire. No, so I did my uh, limo biking yesterday because I was doing my top secret filming. Uh, I feel when, can you, when can you tell us about the top secret filming? In the autumn. 
Okay. And, uh, we'll have all lost interest by then. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. So then it'll all be. I know, you know, but it's annoying now that you won't tell us. It, it, it stops. I can feel Virgin Radio people's annoyance <laughs> coming through the airwaves. That we tell, make him tell us what it is. Make him tell us. It's anyway, not, it's not hard. I only do two things on telly, yeah. so it's the other one. <laughs> no, you do more. You've got the Queens of the World. Oh, I forgot that. Yes, Queens of the Universe. Exactly. I only do two things on the telly. Yes. Queens of the Universe. On Paramount Plus. There you go. Streaming from the 1st of April, is it? Good job. You've got your PR here. Yeah. Talking of which, you're doing a live thing, Graham. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm going to get my old legs out and uh, stomp across the stage. Do you know what? You've got your... We talked some years ago about your lovely uh, top, which is made of toweling. Yes. And I'm very, very fond of it. It's navy and white people. And he's got shorts that match it. Can you believe that? And yet you've never... You've never worn the shorts into the studio. No, I haven't. Because they're quite short shorts. Okay, well, then I'm going to demand, given that I'm coming to see you in your live gig at the O2 Arena, that you wear your short shorts. That's not happening. Why? Because I know what I'm wearing. Oh, okay. I've made that decision. Talking of short shorts, I'm going to, uh, very quickly, I'm going to a <laughs> fancy dress party. And it's a. Studio- no, don't. Wait, I've got to dress up. <laughs> it's Studio 54. No, don't. Ah, I know, but can I just finish? And then it's, um, I'm wearing a sort of ringmaster coat. Okay, so it's that's like good. tails yeah. Yeah, nice. down the front and yeah. tails at the back. Mm-hmm. And is it okay? No. Hmm. <laughs> no. What am I going to say? Uh, is it okay to wear very short, cut-off denim shorts? No, not even. I was just going to wear, like... Uh, so what, some pants? Tights and then some fishnets. Like, you know, like I'm a circus trainer. Yeah. No, well, too old. Well, try it on. Too old? <laughs> try it on, see how you feel. <laughs> see, you see, I think, you know, you're right. I am too old and no, yet... No, wait, 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 though. Where is this party? Uh, like, do you, in how, my bathroom. How, how, yeah, well, exactly. Like, how do you get to the party? <laughs> oh, okay. I wear a coat over my over over everything. Okay. I wear a very big coat, and then when people laugh at me at the party, I turn tail and run home. <laughs> turn tail because I've got tail coats on, uh, and run home crying. I mean, you I know you... I'm too old, but I also I want to kind of go well to hell with that. I'm wearing what I want. Yes, and you want to show off, and you'll want to do your gymnastics. Oh when dear. You... You will. You'll have a couple of drinks and then you'll think, oh, I'm wearing tights. I'm now going to do, do a crab. I'm going to do a crab on the coffee table. <laughs> Get out of my head. Why are you filming me all the time? When <laughs> Virgin Radio. I'm so close to you now. Yeah. I'm just seeing where you've missed bits of shaving. <laughs> it's a beard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I didn't get out much. Do you want me to read you a letter? Please, quickly. He did, during the break, Graham did tell me that I must take something with me to wear over some just tights. Yeah, maybe, you know... A, a, a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> a wrap dress. <laughs> OK, I'm going to take pictures and show you tomorrow. <clears throat> Here's our first problem, she said, reading the second problem. Dear Graham and Maria, five weeks ago, I gave birth to my gorgeous baby boy, my first baby. As you can imagine, in that time... I have developed numerous stretch marks and a belly overhang. Before the pregnancy, I'd put on around three stone after getting married. Mine and my husband's relationship had become strained. And while I was emotional and seven months pregnant, I confronted my husband. He told me he no longer finds me attractive due to my my pre-pregnancy weight gain. Okay. Now, five weeks after birth, he is asking when I'm going to join the gym and commenting on the food I eat, even refusing to buy me certain foods during the weekly shop. I don't get undressed in front of him anymore and I'm sad constantly. I can't remember the last time he complimented me or showed me affection without me having to ask. I am so busy trying to be a good mum and as I suffer with anxiety, I'm making sure my mental health is okay too. I'm lonely and feel so unloved and unliked. I'm worried that if I don't lose the weight, I will lose him. How do I approach this and should I be changing my appearance for someone else? That is from Helen in Stockport. Oh, Helen in Stockport, this makes me so sad. You've just given birth to a, a, a human being, another human. This should be such a happy time for both you and your husband 
bonding over your baby, you know, as Rihanna said, her and her has, her partner are in, in a relationship with a baby. You know, their best friend is a baby. This is how you should be with your lovely baby boy. I mean, it makes me so cross for your... There's a way of losing 12 stone of unwanted flesh, and that's to dump the husband, frankly, Helen. is talking, Well, because you should be happy. He should be happy at this time. Five weeks after giving birth, he's asking you when you're joining the gym. I mean, the sensitivity of a slug. Yeah, you bet you'd gained weight pre-pregnancy. Not enough for him to not find you attractive to impregnate you and give you a baby. But maybe this is part of it. Maybe this is that he's very jealous now. You spend too much time with the baby. You haven't got time for him. There's a reason you haven't got time for him. He's not a very nice person if he's being so vile to you. However... This is what's happening. The cycle of anxiety that you're feeling is leading to the resentments of your husband, which leads you to further eating and leads to further anxiety. So it's a terrible cyclical thing. All of this is excluding your lovely five-week-old baby that you should be just enjoying, you know, whatever shape you are. You need to sit down, Helen in Stockport, with your husband and you need to tell him in the way that you've told us that you are lonely and feeling unloved and unliked. You've just had a baby, your hormones are all over the yeah. place. You need to be praised at this time. There's time for, if he doesn't find you attractive, so what? So what? You know what? Just let him have that for, for now because you know that at some point... When you've, you know, when you feel ready that you will, you can and will lose this weight if you feel like it, whereas he's always going to be a git. And also, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because what what went on? Because actually three stone is a lot. Before, they, to, to before put, she got pregnant. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot to put on. But I wonder, had she got herself to a kind of unrealistic weight, um before the wedding. the wedding. You know, had she like done... Like six stone or like something. Like, had she done that thing of dying, dying, dying to get into the dress, and then after she got married, she went, oh, thank God, I can stop that now. But then it went a bit too far the other way, started three stone. So, Helen, if you... You know, I guess before you got pregnant, were you thinking, oh, I must try and lose some weight, da 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 Because that's fine. Do mm, it for yourself. Mm, mm. If you were thinking, oh, I... I you know, I've let this go too far. Don't ever lose da -da. weight for another person. But don't do it for somebody else. And do certainly think, don't Grim, do it now. No, because, no, it's ridiculous. Because you're you up to your eyes, you're looking after a baby. Probably breastfeeding. You know, you don't... I don't know, but now is just absolutely not... Now is the time to enjoy your baby, you know, to let your belly roll out and be free. Yeah. I mean, I get the feeling, Helen, in Stockport, that this was not a happy relationship before you fell pregnant. I mean, let's let's just deal with that for a minute because if you did gain three stone and he was already not really that kind of, uh, you know, sexy time with you, then, you know, there was something wrong or you were eating because you were feeling lonely and unloved even before you got pregnant. Now you've got something to love. It's very easy to then push that other thing aside. And let's be honest, your husband is behaving in a way that deserves being pushed aside. But do you want to stay with him? If you want to stay with him, then you have to talk to him. You have to talk to him about how you're feeling, explain to him about the hormones, how they work, and explain to him as well that you want to bond together with your love with your husband over the mutual love that you have for a baby. I feel this is what's missing here. Yeah. It's just that, you know, you've suddenly got this baby and this is not the thing that you should be concentrating on. Because Catherine, I spoke to Catherine Ryan. I did. I worked with her the other day yeah. on a secret filming project. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we love Catherine Ryan. And she just had a baby. Yeah. Right? So she just had a baby and we were talking to her and she was saying that, uh, you know, because I think there's something about weight loss of breastfeeding, da, 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 but she was saying when you're breastfeeding, you don't lose weight because your body's holding on to everything. And then... It's when, when you stop. And when you wean the baby and you stop breastfeeding that's when you lose some weight. So I imagine Helen in Stockport with a brand new baby going to the gym and da, 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 it won't work. Not, you know, that now is not the time to be I can't, you know, it's this. it's so insensitive of your husband uh, five weeks since you had, since you pushed this baby out, a human being, for him to say, uh, when you go into the gym, uh, no, I won't get you any chocolate buttons when I go and do the weekly shop because you're too fat. I mean, I just, I, I loathe this man. I mean, he has 
whatever the opposite of a blinder is, he's played it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if he wants to... But if you really want to work on this relationship and good luck with this, you have to sit him down. You have to be very, very honest. It sounds like, you know, th- there's not much hope left anyway, if I'm honest with you, Helen is Stockport. But you have to be very honest and you have to tell him exactly how you're feeling in the way that you've told me and Graham. And, uh, Helen, if you do want to lose the weight, good luck with that. Virgin Radio. It. Maria. That was good. so, I mean... Watching you try and get it right with your hand poised over the button, it was like watching brain surgery. Well, thank you. <laughs> and it is that difficult. Is it really? Yes. OK, I'm going to read you a second problem. Dear Graham and Maria, I've recently inherited a house through a relative who I was very close to. There is currently a tenant within the property, but I would love to move to the house more permanently or at least have regular access to it. The tenant doesn't pay rent but has contributed to upgrades and has paid for some ongoing maintenance. Until now, I've been happy enough with the situation as the house wasn't mine. The problem is that the tenant is my mum. Say, what now? I don't have a close relationship with her and she has narcissistic traits which makes dealing with her very tricky. I'm not sure I would ever stay, even stay in regular contact with her otherwise, but the house ties me to her even more so now that I own it. Initially, I wasn't going to charge rent, but as I have responsibility for the upkeep of the house, several people have told me I should. She has plenty of money to do this, but I'm not sure how to approach the discussion with her without it turning into another argument. Despite my desire to live in the house, I could not live with myself asking my mum to leave and find somewhere else. I'm thinking of her first, which she never does for me. How should I deal with the rental of the house? And secondly, how do I discuss this with my mum when she has such a difficult personality? That is from Mitchell in Cornwall. Mitchell, there's a, wow. such a lot to unpack yeah. here. Not least the bit where you didn't tell us who the tenant was until the third paragraph of your letter. Good writing, good writing. I mean, you know, what's going on here, Mitchell? I have one question, and you have not addressed this in your letter, Mitchell. What was the relationship that your mum had with the bequeather of the house? Someone has left you a house, Mitchell, bypassing your mum. I am going to hazard a guess that it was your mum's mother. That has Your mum was living with her... And then your mum's mother died and your mum is still in the house because otherwise there'd be a rental situation. I can't... I've tried to think of who this could be, where... Could be an ha- aunt, an aunt. It could be an aunt. But either way, how have they bypassed your mum in this way? Um, understandably, your mum will be quite cross with that, especially if it was her mother. Now, I think that whoever's left this house to you, Mitch- Mitchell and Cornwall, is giving it to you as a long-term process you know at some point your mum is not going to be living there and this is when you hopefully reap the rewards however you so I you know you you can't live in the house at the moment you're not going to get rid of your mum from the house and you do not want to live with her because you don't like her and she doesn't like you so you basically have to maintain this house until such time that you take charge of it so yes the maintenance, which she's done a bit of herself by the sounds of it and paid for, the maintenance must be paid for. Now, you can have a conversation with your mum say, look, you stay there as long as you like, mum. I don't mind, but I am going to have to charge you some money because this needs doing, the roof needs repairing and so on, and we've got to keep maintain the house properly. Uh, and if she kicks off, then you have to go to a solicitor. I mean, this, this is that simple. You can either do it yourself and hopefully she will be receptive to this. If she's furious about not being left the house herself, then maybe she won't be. But then your next step is to go to a solicitor. That's all you can do if you absolutely need this rent. She, she's got the money, but it's I think it's nothing about the money. What are you oh, laughing It at? just makes me laugh. Like, it's such a terrible thing to do in a will, isn't it? Kind of, have a house. Oh, look, your mother's in it. I know. I mean, it's, it's rather brilliant in some sort of is. way. If it was a TV show, it would be good. Yeah. But it's real life, like, and so it's not good, Mitchell. But here's the thing, Mitchell. Your mom is already paying for upgrades. She is contributing to maintenance. So, she was. We don't know what, but, but how I often think, But I would say to her, don't, don't bring up the word rent. But say, look, I do, do you want me to come to you every time there's a bill? Or would you like to contribute some money, you know, have a standing order, da, 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 and we'll put money into a kitty for house maintenance? And see what she says to that. Don't use the word rent. Okay. Don't make her think that you're trying Why to Why not just say then, I think what we'll do is do a monthly maintenance charge because the roof needs doing and the 
pavings need doing. So yeah. yes, call it a maintenance charge. Yeah, and I, charge. I hate you. I don't want to talk to you regularly. So uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to move back into the house. I'm not going to ask you to leave. You know, prefix it with that so that she's thinking, phew, phew, phew. And then the killer is, oh, but you must pay money into a maintenance fund every month. Yeah. Because, and that seems fair to me. And that amount you know. is £10,000 a month. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm putting diamonds on the roof. <laughs> I've decided, yeah. I got several quotes and I went with the most expensive. <laughs> diamonds and platinum, actually. Uh, yeah, and a bit of gold leaf. <laughs> it's the most long-lasting and hard-wearing. Oh, yeah, Mom. I'm in it for the I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> It'll be here long after you. You've um, got somewhere to live, Mitchell, in Cornwall. By the sounds of it, you don't need this house. What you need to do is have a relationship with your mum. If it's really near to the time that you've just found out about this house, leave it a while because she'll still be fuming. Yeah, and I mean it's it is a mess, Mitchell. But you know, and I don't know what's gone on in the in the past. Your mother's obviously done something to you and behaved in a, a manner. And done something to whoever has left the house to you as well, because she was living with whoever left the house to you. I'm thinking. Yes. I mean, I mean Mitchell, great, you know, good letter writing in as much as you third paragraph before you told us it was your mum, but not enough information for us to get our teeth really into, frankly. Um, yeah, yeah, but basically, Mitchell, I think you've got to tread very carefully here if you want to get any money out of this woman because, uh, you know, she could just dig her heels in, um, even though she has money. I suppose you could just let the house fall down, you know, and then she'd have to move. No, that would be a silly thing to do. It would be silly. I think the Virgin Radio listeners will have the advice. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Here comes... Graham's Guide. Our responses, part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting a Waitrose and Partners, number one, lemon and lime drizzle cake. What the hell, Graham? What's that? Well, it's a lemon cake steeped in lime syrup and generously filled with whipped lemon curd buttercream. <gasps> then drizzled with zingy lime icing and hand-finished, hand-finished with a swirl of lemon curd. It's zesty lemon and lime drizzle cake. That's what it is. Uh, our first letter, oh, so sad. Helen in Stockport. I mean, it should be such a happy time. Five weeks ago, she gave birth to a lovely baby boy. First baby. Um, just great. Anyway, um, when she was about seven months pregnant, she was obviously very emotional and full of hormones and everything. She confronted her uh, husband and he said he was no longer attracted to her because she'd put on weight. This happened before the baby. She got married, then she put on three stone, then got pregnant. Now uh, the baby's out, so he's... And already five weeks in, he's now nagging her about going to the gym. He refuses to buy her certain products when he goes to the shops. You know, it's just it's just so sad, just awful. Um, and she thinks, you know, she's worried that if she doesn't that if she doesn't lose the weight, she's going to lose him. She doesn't want to lose him. Now, a lot of people will be saying you should lose him because he sounds like a git, but uh, she doesn't want to. So, what's your what's our advice for Helen in Stockport? Elena Peter says, oh, sweetheart, hearing this is awful. Didn't your husband take the vows? You know the ones, thick or thin, rich or poor, love me as I am. Uh, he could well be feeling pushed out and just wants to hurt you to get your attention. Hopefully, you'll not lose him. Explain you are the one that needs the help, love and support, and he must stop being selfish and hurtful. You've just done the most amazing thing by giving life. You need to celebrate until you are ready to sort other things out on your terms. Kat in Wandsworth, well, what do you say to Helen? I would buy her husband an Oyster card and stick £100 on it and say bye-bye. I mean, you're nicer than I am. <laughs> uh, Helen in Shropshire, you must feel so sad and lonely. Being in a relationship can sometimes be the loneliest place ever. And I'm speaking from experience in a past life. Remind him that it takes nine months to carry and create your beautiful baby. It might take nine months or more to lose the gained weight. This should be the happiest and most special time of your life. Don't let him control you or ruin this special time. They grow up so quickly. Just enjoy being a mom. Uh, and Chantal, fuming at Helen's husband in Brighton, at five weeks postpartum, your body is still healing and it would be dangerous to be exercising right now. Doctors and midwives would certainly make you wait for your six-week check. 
If I was you, I would invite your husband to join you and baby for your six-week check at the GP, where you should try and talk openly about healing, hormones, and how you're feeling. Maybe then he'll realise just how much a woman's body goes through post-birth and how awful he has been to even suggest losing weight at any time, let alone now. Thank you, everybody, for those uh, that advice. I tell you, I'm going to give um, the zesty lemon and lime drizzle cake to Chantal in Brighton for a very sensible advice because, you know, it's not confrontational. You're just including him and making him realise, you know, really how awful it was uh, what he was saying to you. Graham's Guide. Uh, the responses part two now follows and my favourite responder will be getting that waitress and partner's number one lemon and lime drizzle cake. Uh, this problem was a doozy. Uh, Mitchell in Cornwall got left a house. You know, how amazing that. Will get to the house. And he's delighted with himself. Um, now, the only problem was the house had a sitting tenant who doesn't pay rent, does contribute to upgrades and things. Uh, the other problem is that tenant, his mother. And their relationship, not good. Uh, he'd like to, you know, at least have access to the house. Or but anyway, the mother's in it. Uh, but he's thinking, at least I should charge her rent. But how do I go about charging her rent without, you know, uh, just turning into huge arguments? Tony and Aldershot, why doesn't Mitchell come to some arrangement with his mom where he pays for any repair materials and she covers the labour costs? That way he is paying a materialistic amount yeah, materialistic cost to something he owns and she covers the equally costly work that is required. That's a very sensible idea. Pedro is in Carlisle. I agree with Graham. <gasps> I wonder who's getting the cake. Uh, Mitchell, just be very careful. If mom has lived in the house rent-free for some time, she might have a claim for a life interest in the house, regardless of what the will says. Get some advice from a probate solicitor before doing anything. Pedro's really on it. And Sharon in Orpington, uh, this, this is just not an issue. The law is on your side. Decide what you'd want to do with the house if your mum wasn't in it. Don't be swayed by the fact she is the sitting tenant. Once you've decided, deal with it in that way. If you would have rented it to then rent it to your mum formally, if she will be getting preferential rate from you, then this can be explained. Um, it, after all, it will be you that will lose out financially. So in effect, she will be benefited from your inheritance. So it just depends on how you feel about this. Uh, I am going to give the cake to Pedro and Carlisle because it was a very sensible advice. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. Guess who's here? Uh, Jamie Dimitro. He's got a new special on Netflix. It's called A Whole Life. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, Graham Norton. Um, so, uh, I'm saying this is such a, a good idea. Is this an idea you'd had for a long time, this idea of a, a sketch show charting a whole life? Or did it come to you in a blinding flash on a Netflix meeting? Well, uh, definitely not a blinding flash. A sort of, well, a sort of two-year-long blinding flash. <laughs> it was really, really painful. No, I, um, I was tasked with uh, making an hour-long sketch show, which... Uh, seemed very very uh, impossible to me because sketches i mean are sort of consumed now at about five seconds at a time yeah so the idea of maintaining an audience's attention for an hour felt very unfeasible so i had to try and think of kind of the most familiar and comforting um story there is to inhabit all these ideas and i thought what do people like most they like life because they don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> you better like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not to say the whole thing's massively happy-go-lucky, but it is, uh, you know, I just thought it's a good structure to kind of put a bunch of characters in and sort of say something about things I'm scared of and things I find funny that are happening right now and I think might happen in my life and have happened in my life. You know? So what are the what are the kind of life big life bits you, you visit along this journey? Okay, yeah. We sort of we were trying to work out what the kind of crucial moments in life are from from birth to death. And then sort of whittled those down to things that feel contemporary. So there's the teenage years are about how sort of modern teenagers don't kind of reflect those films <laughs> that, that that sort of suggest that all they're after is, um, you know, losing their virginity, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of think the modern day teenager sort of has a kind of apathy towards romance. <laughs> and in this uh, iteration, uh, they don't, they actively do not want to lose their virginity. None of them do. So, so I'm sort of hitting, that's, that's the kind of teenage one. And we go through a stag do, marriage, you know, all the way up to death and uh, try and tackle them in ways that feel um, 
Like, they're addressing the modern anxiety surrounding them, but are ultimately funny and stupid. And you say we. I mean, is, the, is that a royal we, or or is there a I we? I think that's maybe my defence mechanism to not, um, in case people don't like it, I can tell you who the other yeah, people are. I after. told them. I told them people wouldn't like this. Yeah. Yeah, we, we the, you know, we, the, you know, because we are a family and we create. No, cause I, but I checked. I mean, you wrote all of this. I did, yeah. 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 Yes, and uh, with with um, so yeah, I I need to start getting used to this. I no, I'm um, I uh, I uh, wrote this to uh, get some things off my chest a little bit, but also just as a kind of I I kind of feel like the whole thing is a celebration of mundanity. It's a, a festival of, uh, of anxiety. I keep referring to it as it's uh, it's just quite a useful tool to get some of these ideas. And Stathlet's uh, Flats, the multi-BAFTA award-winning Stathlet's Flats, did you write that by yourself or was that a team? I wrote that by myself, yeah. We wrote that by myself. <laughs> um, no, I, the first two episodes of series one I wrote with uh, the brilliant Robert Popper. Oh, yeah. Um, and then sort of was cast off into a field to, to finish it by myself. I don't know why. I mean, have you? do you find writing in a pair easy or in a group? I've, I've never written with anyone. Yeah, no. but I just don't. But I think when you haven't... I think coming up through the fringe... I think in England, anyway, it, the, the the process of writing alone is sort of the exclusive process a lot of the time. It's very rare that you are writing in a room, or you know, you occasionally get teams. But I do think we're kind of raised to to be self sufficient because it's not. I don't know the idea of like an American fourteen person writers' room kind of scares me. Yeah, but also, isn't it lovely that it's. The, you know the we is you that that it's this is my baby and it stands and falls you know on on what you decided it's e in equal parts lovely and terrifying <laughs> yeah because like i was saying you can't blame although you know maybe i could blame my brilliant producer ollie cambridge or my amazing director <laughs> andrew gain or you know? that rubbish cast yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. you know I, I, know, I, know. I gave them line readings well what can you do <laughs> um, um, and I, I, what struck me is that up, after the success, I guess, of Satellite's Flats, then, you know, you're doing much more acting. Da, da, da. But how hard is it to go back to be doing other people's material? Not hard. hard. It's that you're, you're sort of tapping into something so deep that I'm sort of <laughs> struggling. Um, yes, it's a really weird feeling. I kind of think that you're never quite as much... Um, you're never quite as much doing your job than when you're doing something that's 100% come from you. Yeah. But then you just take you take the relief of working on someone else's job. And I actually think I just get more time to think about the performance, which is a good thing. And I think that that in itself is a relief. But working on something that's a kind of extension of your sensibility and you're surrounded by people who are also a kind of, you know, have informed your sensibility in one way or another, Ellie White, etc. You know, you do end up kind of feeling like it's Shangri-La it's like it's like the dream scenario yeah, yeah. so this must be lovely coming back to yeah it's really nice your own stuff it's really nice it's called a whole life it's called a whole lifetime lifetime a whole lifetime with yeah, Jamie sorry, Dimitri yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 see I'm, I was reading it's wrong we have made a mistake here <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm part of that we so you can throw me under a whole lifetime with Jamie Dimitri it's going to be streaming on Netflix from a Tuesday so you were just saying this is commissioned by American Netflix yes it was an American Netflix commission I um had it commissioned, I think it was something like two days before I found out about COVID. Um, and I was sort of wondering, I'd sort of, the, the news hadn't really spread to, it, it's got, to, the news had got to LA a lot quicker. So when I went in to pitch it, um, there were no handshakes and there was quite a lot of distance in the room. So I was convinced the hostile environment was the reason it wasn't going to get away. But it's also the reason that it took about four years for us to actually make it because we did get, um, we got it commissioned quite quickly and then, you know. And do you write fast? Do these ideas? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, okay. no. Okay. No, I think I, I think I procrastinate long. And then I do eventually write fast, but you kind of, I don't know how you find it. You, you, I feel like you just need, there's sort of months of time that you need to just be bad at writing, get the bad writing out of the way to do a sort of a minute of good writing. And, and also there just needs to show. be a deadline. There just needs to be a moment right, when yes. someone goes, that needs to be finished today. Yes, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> if they told me it was, it, realistically, I often wonder, like, if they were to say you have to write the full thing today, 
I probably would do it. I mean, it might be bad, but you, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting to know how much worse would it be? Like, yeah, how, right. Like, yeah. would it be that bad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it only took a day. Um, <laughs> and are we going to lose you to America? Like, you're out there a lot now. No, not lose me. I'll miss, you know, what will I miss? We'll still see you on screen. Yeah, sure. Right, exactly. I will, we yeah. knew him when. I'm going to yeah. find a hologram. But no, I am. Um, no, I love, I love making stuff here. You know, I suppose a big part of. My the, the special, the, the Netflix special, is kind of about England and people I've met in England and the vibe of people in England. And I kind of feel like it's good to make stuff like that here because everyone involved will understand it. And it just means that it has that kind of mundane grey spirit about it that I love <laughs> But also, so it much. is very British. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but this is obviously going to be on Netflix in yes, America. Yes, globally. globally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah globally. Globally. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's my middle name now. <laughs> <laughs> did did Stat Let's Flats did that air in America? Eventually, yeah. Well, it went on in um, it went on HBO Max, which you know, attaching that that sort of brand to Stat is ridiculous. Although I did go out there, and I remember, I remember typing Stat in in the search engine, assuming there'd only be one Stat. I think it was like the fiftieth result. Wow, on the thing. So you know, it wasn't being pumped out there, but. <laughs> But no, it was. Uh, it actually took quite some time for people to watch it out there because it didn't go to HBO Max for quite some time. And um, I was always convinced that a show called Stat Let's Flats, you know, all three words being not used over there. Yeah. I mean, David Rents Apartments, I think, would be the equivalent. <laughs> but I am, um, you know, I just assumed. But people seem to seem to be into it out there. It's quite. It's really been the surprise of my life. Yeah. And when you go for castings and things, do people just assume you are that man? No, people still think I'm the guy from Fleabag with the big teeth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I often, to this day, I, I can't believe I'm still saying this, but to this day in castings, if it's a new casting director, they do have a look in my mouth before I can see their eye line. It's like no eye contact, it's mouth contact. There's a lot of just like, they basically wait to see my mouth open enough and then they I see them turn to their associate and be like, yeah, well, that's a because I wasn't going to ask you about feedback because I just thought, oh well, that was just one oh thing, my, yeah, two, one thing three on your days thing, shooting, yeah, yeah, but it was such a, a kind of you know, a not your thing, and da 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 da. But it had that sort of impact. Totally, it's really, and you know, I'm so grateful for it. It's you know, it's it's no bad thing. I'm like very very happy to be associated with that show. And am um, am I going to be kind of wrestled to the ground if I ask you anything about Barbie? Well, I won't wrestle. Oh, to people nodding. Yeah, there's now. I won't wrestle you to the ground, but I'll definitely have. A, I might. I might grip your wrist tightly or something. Yeah, <laughs> Helen. Helen Mirren got very gappy on the show on Friday. She told, oh, really? Yeah, she told us stuff about it. Did yeah. she? Yeah. Oh well, now I feel. Well, Miza Miza has Miza has the right. H Miz, Le Miserable Olivia has Coleman's the right. Coleman's in it. We know so much now. Oh yeah. No, I will just say it was electric, and so I think it's going to be very very good. I think, and and I will also add that I think I've spoken about this recently. I think uh, yeah. Have you ever seen? Um, one of those demonstrations of uh, a billion grains of rice versus a million grains of rice and what it actually looks like. Do you know I haven't? It's a very, very interesting portrait. Is this a YouTube thing you can I do? I think so, yeah. Demonstrating the idea of a billion next to a million. And I think that my, my part is very small, is all I'm saying. So I think if the Barbie <laughs> movie is a billion grains of rice, I'm about, I'm about 20 grains of rice okay. in that. So that's, uh, but I really enjoyed my time there so much. I loved it. Okay. There's no, I don't have anything to do with rice in the film. That's a confusing analogy. <laughs> Yes, I must say, I'm still no I'll Google a billion grains of rice. Anyone who's seen it, check it out and really enjoy that analogy. <laughs> and, or, and now that you're kind of back and you're creating your, your sketch shows, is, do you kind of think, oh, no, this is, I want to kind of hold on to this kind of creative drive and I want to write my own stuff again? Um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop doing that, hopefully. I kind of feel like it's part and parcel of my job now. Um, I'm... I'm uh, I like writing and acting and stuff that I've written, and but I, you know, at the same time, I'm really, really excited to be able to uh, sort of say other people's dialogue, etc. I'm like, I, I, I like acting on people. And how too. are you about writing for people that aren't you? You know, if you, you... oh, I love it. I really, I, I mean, it takes the pressure off massively. <laughs> I mean, that was the sort of that was probably the scariest thing about doing a whole lifetime was that I'm so used to that ensemble in staff. That I can rely upon. They're like yeah, yeah. there's such, and you know, it's so much more of me. The percentage in this is so much more of me. And um, yeah, I think that 
any opportunities I had within it. There's a sketch called Kiss Filler, which is kind of a Love Island parody. And that was more of an ensemble piece. It was just the funnest day, just getting to hear these different inflections and tones and stuff like that. that yeah, I really enjoy that. And when you're writing for yourself, do you push yourself? Do you kind of go, oh, actually, I'll, I'll struggle to do this or I'll struggle to... Da, 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 or, or is it all just absolutely in your wheelhouse? <laughs> well, no, not in my wheelhouse. I just think I go blind to what I can and can't do in that moment. Like in staff, me writing, there's a bit where I jump into a canal and you sort of write it going that is funny and you don't really put yourself in the picture and then on the day you're sort of being fitted up in a wetsuit to go under your suit and you're like wait oh it is me that's doing it yes it's me that's doing it yeah i'm the one that's going in the bog yeah who wrote this yeah, 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 who wrote exactly. this uh jimmy dimitrio a whole lifetime with jimmy dimitrio that is available to stream on netflix from tuesday uh thank you so much for coming to see us and congratulations thank on, you very on much everything everything the graham norton radio show virgin Radio. Stay right where you are. More from my lovely guests as I'm joined by Liz Nugent and Dylan Llewellyn. <gasps> but what's that? I hear the trolley coming. Martha. Yes, uh, the trolley has arrived. Hello. Hello. Uh, now, I tell you, everyone's very excited about the uh, chicken today. Jennifer from Orpington said, Good morning. How spooky. I have just taken a Waitrose chicken out of the freezer for tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to what Martha will be doing today. Yum, that yum. That's perfect. I know. So, uh, what makes this special? What have you made? So, this is a citrus rubbed roast chicken with a herby walnut salsa and some lovely roasted sweet potatoes and sweet peppers. Wowza. It's a little twist on your classics. Yeah. Uh, when you say citrus rubbed, I mean, is that, I mean, is that just you rub a lemon on a chicken? <laughs> there is lemon that gets rubbed, <laughs> but I can assure you there are also other, other components. There's lots of butter, tons of garlic. Oh, great. Really a lot. I feel like whenever I'm cooking, my husband always walks past the kitchen and if you can smell something nice, he's like, right, if it's delicious, it's definitely Martha's put garlic, butter and wine in it. That's the three, the magic three. And yeah. this recipe has all three of those things. Oh, Martha. <laughs> you know, it's going to be good. Because <laughs> where do people go wrong with the chickens? Do they, oh, I, I think, you know, people are always scared they're going to overcook or undercook a chicken. Absolutely. I think people will leave it in the oven too long thinking, I really don't want it to, to kill be anyone. Undercover. So you, the, the best trick for this, it's not even a secret trick or anything, is just get yourself a meat thermometer. Just Come get, on, guys. Get yourself a good one because then, because you read the recipe and it says 40 minutes plus 40 minutes, but actually all chickens are different sizes. We're talking about a living creature. So they're not, it's not one size fits all. So you need to use your bit of your intuition and a meat thermometer is great because you can just stick it in when you think, oh, looks quite ready. Check the temperature. Oh, it is ready. And then get it out. Don't go, oh, it must, the recipe says another 20 minutes. Do you, need to check, do you need to stick the thermometer into the different bits though? Because sometimes, you know, because someday you know the way around a bone will still be a bit... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to do the thickest part of the leg and then the thickest part of the breast and make sure you get it right all the way through. Okay. But yeah, that you, you can normally, this chicken was a, a Waitrose High Welfare Extra Large one and it took 40 plus 40, so an hour and 20. Sorry, the recipe said it really weirdly, so I'm like trying to calculate how long that's been. Uh, an hour long, and 20. How long have I been in this building? Uh, I started cooking it last night at midnight. Uh, da, 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 da. And is this one of the ones, can, do you... Do you do the sweet potatoes while the chicken's resting or do you do it all at the same time? So they all go into the oven similar time. So the chicken has its first 40 minute bake and then you get the sweet potatoes ready. That goes in underneath. It's lovely and summery because sometimes with roast chicken, I love a chicken gravy and this doesn't have a gravy. Instead, it has this lovely kind of pesto-like salsa. Your and you herby serve... walnut salsa. Your herby yeah. walnut salsa. And yeah. then you serve it with yogurt. So it's a bit more of a fresh take on a roast. You People will be surprised in a pleasant way. <laughs> In a pleasant way. It'll be a nice surprise. <laughs> Any gravy? No. <laughs> no, there isn't. Stop asking for on. it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I've got you some Herbie Walnut <laughs> Salsa. Right. Uh, talk us through it. How? Where do we start? So, obviously, you're going to start with the chicken. So... Mm. Crank your oven up nice and hot. 220, you want, because you want it to go in and get that lovely crispy skin, mm. which everyone just loves about a roast chicken. And then we're going to mix up this compound butter. So this is what gives the chicken loads of flavour. So we're taking some softened butter and we're mixing into that some garlic. This is the first two cloves of garlic. Listen out for how many more there are to follow. Okay. First two go into the butter, along with some smoked paprika, some crushed coriander seeds, and then the zest of an orange and a lemon. Okay. Then we're going to rub that under the skin of the chicken. 
and then over the top and all over the legs and underneath make sure it gets completely covered pop that into a roasting tin pour in a glass of wine and some water and then that goes in for its first 40 minutes uncovered of baking uncovered it's uncovered the whole time oh right okay chicken skin is quite resilient so it should protect the meat from going dry regardless whereas beef and lamb and things like that you might need to cover to keep them protected yeah, yeah chicken yeah. it's got its own ready-made wrap okay very good <laughs> um so whilst that's baking we're going to prep the sweet potatoes and the peppers so we're just chopping up sweet potatoes peppers mixing that with a little bit more butter two more cloves of garlic lovely <laughs> um chili flakes give that a nice coat and then that goes in after 40 minutes underneath the chicken on the shelf below and then 40 minutes in the oven for that to nicely cook and then the final thing you need to do is make this lovely salsa so we're taking toasted walnut pieces sticking them into a food processor with loads of fresh herbs now the fresh herbs bring so much to this dish because they really they all have they all play their individual role oh yes so we've got tarragon we've got oregano and we've got curly leaf parsley blitz that all up with some capers another clove of garlic oh do you know what i forgot the majority of the cloves of garlic right at the beginning of the recipe <laughs> i just realized this i was like that doesn't sound like very many once you've covered it in the butter we're going to fill the cavity of the chicken to get that lovely kind of steamy so you put the oranges and the lemons in there okay and then 16 cloves of garlic (laughs) (laughs) so in total i think that's about 22 cloves of garlic in this chicken but no one will be complaining it will be delicious (laughs) no i'm not complaining it is delicious it's absolutely gorgeous so back to the salsa we literally just add in the juice of a lemon an orange a bit of red wine vinegar, olive oil until it's lovely, loose consistency. And then you serve that all up together with some Greek yogurt. So you get a little bit of tang and it's just a lovely, fresh little Sunday roast. You know, and it all comes together really nicely. It's lovely. And and also what's nice is it's not too fussy. It looks, you know, it's quite rusticky. And, yes, yeah. it looks lovely and natural. It's a lovely recipe by Lola Milne. He's written loads of great recipes. She knows how to get the most out of each ingredient. So it's not like you just use a little bit of lemon and that's it. It gets used completely in the rest of the recipe so it's a great one well was it I think it was uh, yes uh, Jennifer uh, from Orpington hopefully that's given you ideas for tomorrow <laughs> you just need to go out and get a sweet potato and a pepper and oh, and a lot of garlic <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. a couple of heads of garlic uh, if you want that recipe you can find it on the Graham Norton Waitrose Hub you just head to waitrose.com slash show chef and you can see that recipe and indeed all the recipes prepared by Martha you could also check out our socials at Virgin Radio UK where you can see the actual one what we have just to eat here on the radio. <laughs> the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Right, it is time to meet my first guest of the day. Uh, Liz Nugent, uh, all her books have been number one and this one will be two. It's called Strange Sally Diamond. Welcome to the show, Liz Nugent. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Uh, so nice to have you in the studio. Um, so... Uh, Sally Diamond. She is strange. Uh, Tell us about her. Sally Diamond um, comes to the attention of the media and her community when she disposes of her dead father in quite an unorthodox manner. And uh, her behaviours have been strange. I mean, she, she pretends to be deaf to avoid any social interaction, which I wish I'd thought of before everybody knew I wasn't deaf. But um, she, yeah, some of her behaviours are very unusual. And it's only after the media and the police and everybody got involved because she put her father out with the bins um, that she realises that her father has left all these letters for her that explain a lot about her. She's always known that she was adopted, but what she didn't know was what her background was. So she discovers um, that she came from a place of trauma. Yes, Um, Mm -hmm. big, big trauma. And uh, uh, to the, well, the first thing is, uh, it seems to me this book is kind of perfect to be set in Ireland because Mm -hmm. you could imagine this woman living you know, unnoticed by our community in a small place. Yeah, 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 very much so. Like it's a small village in rural Ireland and she lives outside the village down a dirt lane, you know, so she she's always sort of been on the outside. She did go through a regular school system, but she didn't make any friends in school. Uh, She likes her own company and she's been allowed to do what she wanted all her life. So at the age of 40 something, she has never had a job. She's never gone to college because she has been allowed. Her father, her adoptive father is a psychiatrist and he has 
used her really as a as a specimen in that he just observes her and records her behavior for her whole life. So she is kind of let loose to do what she wants, which is really to stay in hiding and to be a recluse. And the book, you know, begins with Sally Diamond and and the father and all that. And you kind of think, oh, we're in this book. This is the novel I'm reading. And then you're so kind of profligate because there's then kind of like almost other novels within it. (laughs) We hear other people's stories. Yes. About a third of the way through, there is another narrative that joins because Sally gets um, something in the post, a teddy bear in the post that she is not that she immediately recognises and feels a very close bond to, but she doesn't know why, because actually she doesn't remember anything before her seventh birthday. She doesn't know, she doesn't remember a single thing. So it's very uh, confusing to her when she gets this bear that she immediately recognises, but she doesn't know why and she doesn't know who it came from. And suddenly we begin to hear the voice of the man who sent the teddy bear. And, and who he is. And the 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 trauma that, that we're talking about, it, it is dark. It goes to very dark places. So did you just use your imagination for that? Or do you go, you know, do you go full research? I'm going to talk to groups that deal with this sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I don't research those kind of things. I just put myself inside the head and I think, what would happen? Or what would you be like if you had been through an experience like that? What, you know, what would what what's the most natural response to a trauma like that? So I, that's the way I did it. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychiatrist. I have no training. So it's really my imagination. And the more disturbing aspects of the book, I guess, are really in the reader's imagination because there's nothing graphic in the book. I don't describe any of the really bad stuff that happened. And if readers are disturbed, that's great. But really, it's their (laughs) imagination and not mine, because I don't want to, I wouldn't want to read it and nor would I want to write it. But also in this book, I mean, I think you take us to dark places, but you do bring us out of them. Oh, yeah. No, you're going to cry and laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that is because Sally Diamond as a character is wildly endearing. Oh, God, yeah. I fell in love with her when I was writing her. (laughs) I really did. I really enjoyed writing her because she's just she's kind of me without a filter. You know, (laughs) she has four changes of clothes. That's it. She uh, hates shopping centres. You know, they're her worst nightmare. That's also me. She hates small talk. Also me. (laughs) You know, there's a lot about Sally that, you know, she never wears makeup. Um, and I think if I didn't have to, you know, go through the social conventions, uh, I would never wear makeup. You know, those kind of things that, you know, women are sort of, well, not just women, all people are expected to, you know, do the small talk and chat to their neighbours. And she just doesn't do that. She just yeah. refuses. She won't. She's. Uh, atypical in her behaviour but yet has defied all diagnoses because her behaviour is so inconsistent. And what's brilliant is even as the reader you're trying to second guess what might be the cause but you you won't. (laughs) You (laughs) You won't. won't. You won't second guess it. And one of the reasons you won't is because I didn't know what was going to happen either when I was writing it. Really? Yeah. Because this book is so plotted. You would think so, wouldn't you? You really would. <laughs> no, I mean, in the first chapter, Sally puts her dead father out with the bins because she takes things literally. And he had joked about that. So um, I that's that was my starter point because it was something that my husband and I joke about, you know, because I always say, put me out of the bins. I don't care. I'll be dead. Whereas he has, I want my ashes scattered <laughs> among the mountains of Connemara. And I'm always saying I'll be dead. So, you know, I won't mind. You know, you can really do what you want. So that was kind of starting point for the book. And then I thought, well, okay, now why would she take him so literally? And, you know, what what is the background? And then, you know, as I went forward and developed into a character and we kind of find out the real trauma uh, behind her, her backstory, um, that all just evolved, you know, and then the other character just evolved. He just, because I was running out of things for Sally. So I had to bring in a new narrative as she develops and becomes more integrated into her community. 
And is it also because you're, you're kind of known for these incredibly hooky starts of books, <laughs> like the the three brothers at the funeral, and one of them's yeah. dead. We don't know which one, sure. or the 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 woman whose husband we know already that he's killed somebody, but yeah. you know we don't know all the background. Is that always your way of thinking? Right, I'm just going to I'm going to get the reader, grab the reader, and then I'll see where I take. Yeah, them. exactly. I mean, I have the first line of my next book, and I have no idea who's speaking it. What? That's incredible. Do you want to hear it? Oh, go on, yeah. Uh, for the second time that month, I woke up with the wrong husband. <gasps> Very good. <laughs> We're in. We're that's, in. I don't know who's saying it yet. I don't, that's all I have for the next one. So, you know, we'll we'll see where that line takes me. We should start a text competition where people just text in second First line. line. <laughs> oh, second line for that. Yeah, yeah that would be Just great. keep going. That keep, would save me a yeah, lot. Of... Right. The, re- the, the yeah. listeners can write your next novel. <laughs> um, but, and... <laughs> And do you, are you able to, I mean, obviously you've got the first line for yeah. the next novel and that, mm-hmm. that's a start. Uh, but are you able to work on that while you're in the world telling everybody about Sally Diamond? Not really. I'm very kind of one thing at a time. Like I can't really do a lot of crossover um, into other things. Like I'm, I've, I've a commission to write a, a, a play, a stage play. And I think... That is for production in 2025, I think. So I need to get the next book finished before I can start on that. Oh, okay. You know, because it, it really, my mind can only be occupied with one story and one character at a time. Yeah. You know. And how are you at this time, <laughs> at this very, you know, it's an exciting time. It comes out, you know, you wrote this book you and you finished it a while ago. And yeah. now finally on Thursday, it is in the world. Well, this is a really exciting time, but also it's a brilliant excuse not to be at the laptop. Because <laughs> I can come to London and I can talk to you and, you know, I can do all kinds of stuff and be out and being interviewed and... I love the kind of publicity end of it. And I know a lot of writers hate it, but I I really love it. It gets me out of the house. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when when uh, the last book came out, it was during the times of COVID. So everything was done over the phone or down the line or via Zoom. So I didn't get out of the house. So, you know, I haven't really done any proper publicity since my third book came out in 2018 so I'm back (laughs) (laughs) and when you do when you do reader events yeah I mean do you have a typical reader or is it a very kind of wide uh, audience it's it's very wide Um, as many men as women and all ages I mean I did go to a turn up at a book club a book club invited me from the Vintage Inn which is a pub can I just say how brave is that (laughs) (laughs) I I think it was my first book so I was you were an idiot (laughs) foolish rather than brave but there were there were three generations of the same family who were part of this book club and they had all read the book and they had all liked it so it kind of it seems to I don't know everybody likes a bit of a dark story I think yeah Um, and yeah it's it's strange that I do have a readership from all ages and all demographics and all races and genders and you know so uh, yeah I'm very lucky with that well this book will only grow that audience it's fabulously Uh-oh. dark and twisty but it's got real heft to it it's got it's you know it's it. I don't know it feels very kind of immersive it's just great really oh, great thank you thank you so much yeah it's brilliant. It is out on Thursday in Hardback. It's called Strange Sally Diamond. Liz Nugent, go enjoy London. Have, Thank you. Have a lovely time. Yeah, don't open a laptop. You'll be grand. <laughs> I didn't bring it with me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. I'm joined now by my second guest of the beautiful day. Uh, you fell in love with him in Derry Girls. Then you fell in love with him more in Big Boys Channel 4. Now he's in Beyond Paradise, the Death in Paradise uh, spin-off. Spin-off sounds a bit naff, but I, I, I won't say spin-off again. I'm so sorry. Uh, Dylan Llewellyn's here. Hello. Hey. Hello. Uh, so uh, Beyond Paradise kicked off on Friday. I was just telling you, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have, that it did really well in the ratings. Oh my God. I, that's the first yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wondered how it got on. But oh, it did very well. Yeah. It did really well. So I, I think the BBC yeah. are thrilled. So you're going to be stuck <laughs> in that village for some time, I think. Unless oh, you die brilliant. or something. <laughs> Maybe, but I hope not. Um, but yeah, I, I I was keeping an eye on Twitter. I was like, oh, some people were liking it. Some yeah. people were liking it. So yeah, it's great to hear. So uh, tell us. So this is, I mean, so let's forget about Death of Paradise. Because the only 
unless something happens but the only yeah. link to death in paradise is chris marshall right yeah yeah um humphrey yeah uh he, he's the link and also martha as well those two characters um played by sally sally yeah. Britton. um and it's it, it's chris uh chris's character going to uh sally's hometown and them trying to get settled back into life in in england um and Chris Marshall's character gets settled into the new police station and it's kind of it's kind of got like hot fuzz vibes of of kind of the Londoner coming in um and uh <laughs> trying to fit in with the locals yeah. and we should say uh the his uh, girlfriend's hometown is beautiful it's gorgeous yeah. oh my gosh yeah the west country yeah it's it's shot in Devon and Cornwall um and they really paint it in such a beautiful light that i mean it is already beautiful but they make it 10 times i was gonna say if you've been on your holidays there you've been going it's not always like this uh, so <laughs> is, is that town all one town yeah 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 it is but, but we i mean we we shoot all over the place but and we shoot we cheat the stuff in uh the police station in the studio but um yeah it's a lot in Lou actually yeah Lou and what's it called in in the actual thing it's called Shipton Shipton Abbott Shipton yeah, Abbott yeah, okay you be careful of saying that in live radio oh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you are the very different child you know you're getting old when policemen get young because you play <laughs> you play a policeman yeah I he was so. just in a school uniform <laughs> what's going on yeah I grow up quick yeah um but no, yeah, I play a policeman. I'm kind of like a, a West Country Terminator, you know, just <laughs> jumping on boats and things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty indestructible. Yeah, and it's a very like it. There are kind of not references, but kind of similarities to Death in Paradise in that it's very hooky. It's kind mm. of you know, it's stories told in yeah, our kind um, of who done it. You yeah, know? It, it hooks you like that. Um, so they they definitely got the the kind of DNA of Death in Paradise with that but also its own thing. So, yeah. And is it a new team or did Chris kind of know everyone and you felt like the new boy or was it like starting again? I, I guess kind of a bit of both, really. Um, yeah, I think Chris and Sally were, I mean, already settled, but uh, I mean, there's a whole new ensemble cast, so it, it was kind of new for all of us. But yeah, I mean, if, if we go again, it will be like we'll back for happy family you yes know? so going out when did you when did you film it it looks like the summer yeah we shot in summertime um slap bang in summer actually and we got like all the sun it was great but i mean that must be quite hard filming down there in the middle of summer because it, presumably it's packed with tourists there was a bit but they were very lovely and very accommodating the the people in the west country so yeah big up west country people well now yeah <laughs> big yeah. up west country <laughs> well, people no. they're very nice they were horrible to us yeah, they yeah. didn't throw things no yeah. exactly yeah. they were lovely no because sometimes you hear about it in london where people kind of play music loud so they get paid money to stop to turn it off oh really yeah Oh. There's a tip, people in uh, the West Country. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. Yeah. Turn on a generator and don't turn it off till they pay you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got to talk about uh, Big Boys, your oh, yeah. your Channel Four sitcom, just because I I adored oh, that really? show. Um, uh, so Jack Rook was the comedian. Yes. He wrote it, and it's you play him essentially. Yeah, yeah, I play Jack Rook, and it's about his life growing up, um, and. Uh, dealing with the loss of his his father and um, discovering his sexuality and things and it's it's a beautiful story and and yeah I'm so proud of of that piece that project and it came to such a beautiful end but is that the end? Oh no 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 we got season two coming oh yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah. oh I'm so yeah. pleased <laughs> we're shooting I'm... soon so, oh yeah. I'm so so happy yeah because because yeah. they that last episode was. Gorgeous, oh, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Oh yeah. my god, it was so fun, and and I'm growing my hair out for it right now. So. Oh, you're going yeah. back to Jack Rook, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Jack yeah. Rook roots, <laughs> and what's there's a big uh, whiff of Welshness about Barry and Dylan and yeah. Llewellyn, yeah. Uh, but you don't sound uh, Welsh. What, what happened <laughs> no. there? Um, well, it's, it's my granddad's granddad is is the Welsh. Oh, it goes back that far. It goes quite far, yeah. So, uh, well, not yeah. letting go of it, yeah. <laughs> Dylan, <Quite> English, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, English honorary Irishman with Derry girls. Of course, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, what's it like when you go back? When you go, have, have you been to Ireland since the end of Derry Girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did um, the Andrew Scanlon show, and uh, 
Yeah, the, oh, I love Ireland and I love the Irish people. They're just always so lovely. Of course, of you course. as an Irishman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't like not like say, you'd say that. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you must be so, uh, you know what I mean? You're famous wherever you are now. People know your face because they've seen you in things. But Ireland, they must treat you like just like a conquering hero because you're in Derry Girls. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I mean, of course, we got the mural as well. You're a lovely yeah. mural. <laughs> I must be the first Englishman who's not a soldier on a mural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, didn't they change the mural? Didn't they update it or something? Oh, no. They, they like, do kind of projector styles for Halloween, so we all look like zombies and things like that, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, if people haven't seen the Dairy Girls mural, do yeah. Google it. <laughs> Check it out, yeah. Yeah. Have you had lots of kind of shameless photographs with it? <laughs> yeah, lots of selfie <laughs> ones, yeah. <laughs> School kids. People and driving by, kind of going, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully no accidents, though, yeah. And, and, and were you, because when did Dairy Girls start? A long time ago. Yeah, it was it was pre-COVID. Um, it's been about four or five years now, I think. You've been doing it. So, you, I mean, yeah. you must have been a kid when you got that part. Uh, in mid-twenties, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So are you just one of those people who've always played younger than you are? I have. I have. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing older. <laughs> well, I guess Beyond Paradise is the start. I guess. Yeah, look at you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got a job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm all growing up now. <laughs> Yeah, and taking down people twice my size. Yeah. I, mean, I noticed that in episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, that guy's given up quite easily. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he could have got away. <laughs> Stop it. This <laughs> is the tricks of the camera, yeah. <laughs> no, it was funny, during the record, I was almost it was like a it was like an invest interrogation. I was trying to find out who did it. Who yeah. who pushed the woman off the uh the thing on Friday night. So episode one's gone out. Uh, mm. how many episodes are there? Uh, there's six episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, there will be more. There will... Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. You if, mo- if you guys keep watching. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Dylan's got a mortgage. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so please, please keep watching. Thank you. And what's your background? Because you went to... Did you go to RADA? I did. I did. I, I trained at RADA. Um, I did the foundation course, which was great fun. Um... But yeah, and MIT, National Youth Theatre okay. as well. Um, so yeah, it's Because I always think people listening to this, you know, because so many people want to do what you do. So many people want to be an actor. Yeah. Um, and so what was the lucky thing? Was it finding an agent or was it a casting yeah. director seeing you or what was it? it? It was an agent that scouted me. I got really lucky and, and uh, basically my, my drama school got entered into... Sorry, no, my, my normal school for GCSE drama... Uh, we got entered into a competition to perform at the National Theatre and we won and performed there. And an agency scouted me through that, really. So I, I got so lucky with that as well. Wow. And is that how you yeah. got Dairy Girls? Um, no, I, I actually got Hollyoaks <laughs> um, first, Hello. first job. So, yeah. Hollyoaks, that's not show business. <laughs> I've been to Hollyoaks. <laughs> Hollyoaks is legendary. I like Hollyoaks. That's, that's, yeah. That is the coal face of acting. <laughs> no, it was great fun. It, I mean, you got out. Before. You can say it was fun. People are still there. Are they? Is it still on? Graham. <laughs> No. no, I don't remember being there. There were no runners or anything. On it. It's just yeah. Yeah, it's Lime Pictures. It was in Liverpool. Okay, shot that. Yeah, I wasn't going to name them, but okay. No. <laughs> I'm not hating. I like Hollyoaks. Stop it. It's very good to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so Hollyoaks was the big break, and then everything yeah. else followed after that. It did, yeah, yeah. And I did um, a bit of theatre as well. Uh, I did Warhorse yes. at the West Ends, which was great fun. Um, playing Albert. Uh, and jumping on puppet horses, yeah. That, I mean, that must have been a cool job. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that was yeah. probably the fittest I've ever been. It's really, yeah, quite demanding, actually. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, you have to get fit now if you want to, if you, if you want to look convincing, get, <laughs> getting those criminals down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It builds muscle. Jim now for, <laughs> for Beyond Paradise. Uh, Dylan Llewellyn, thank you so much for coming to see us. Beyond Paradise continues uh, on Friday night on BBC uh, One, but you can catch uh, episode one now on BBC iPlayer and then they'll all be there eventually. Uh, good luck with everything. Thank Congratulations. You so much. All right. Cheers, Dylan. Bye. Cheers. Why, thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Keep up with us on our socials at Virgin Radio UK on all platforms to see everything from Martha's top tips to Graham's guide dilemmas.
That's it for now. Speak to you soon.